All right, welcome to, this is I think going to be episode 77 of the Cigar Snob Podcast. We are inching closer and closer to episode 100. Not that anything special happens, but it's a nice round number. This time around, we are joined by Claudio Scroy of Mombacho Cigars. Uh, fans of the magazine or of the podcast will know Mombacho most recently uh, for its having earned the um, number 12 spot on our list of the top 25 cigars of 2018 with Mombacho Liga Maestro, which we are smoking. Well, are you smoking Liga Maestro also? I'm smoking the Tierra can. Got it, got it. Okay, so I'm smoking Liga Maestro in a uh, Petit Corona that I only lit about 15 seconds ago and that I'm enjoying very much. Uh, Claudio, thank you for coming in. Thank you so much. And I think you are one of the few guys in the world that nailed my family name right oh, away. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Every time it's like a Sirio, Sirio, or Isgro, oh, or something like that. So, <laughs> good. Sounds good. No, it was, uh, uh, the, my so far my proudest achievement on the podcast was when we had... Um, uh, Fred from Jay Cortez. Uh, oh. and I, I, he told me that I did a good job with Van de Meliere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Fred is a very nice guy, a very good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this is another notch in my, in my family name yeah. belt of, of pronunciation. Uh, so I, I, we usually tell people you know, who, who join us on the podcast that you know, one of the things we found is people who are listening to the podcast are not always people who have been regular readers of the magazine uh, or, or consumers of any cigar media. And so we don't want to assume that people know who's who. Uh, so let's get into just a little bit of your own personal biography and how uh, what your origin story was in the cigar business. Yeah, first of all, I should say very, very happy to be here at Cigars Now Magazine because you guys, you are the first one I met when I moved to the United States back in 2009. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went to a cigar event. It was in Coral Gables, I think. And uh, Eric and Jamilet were there. And, uh, you know, I introduced myself. Uh, I was coming from Italy. Uh, but talking about that, I started my career in 2001. I was already living in Dominican Republic, and a day I got a phone call from someone that was looking for uh, an interpreter and translator. And at that time, I was an Italian teacher, interpreter, translator. So this uh, beautiful lady, Olga, uh, asked if I could translate a week of visit to a cigar factory and plantation. I was like, yeah, no problem, I can do that. I speak uh, you know, French, English, uh, Spanish, uh, Italian. Uh, that's my job uh, to be a translator, but I don't really know about tobacco and cigars. She said, no, no problem. You got just to translate, uh, even though you don't smoke, no, no problem. Uh, just be with us. And that was Davidoff that was receiving uh, the first uh, retailers uh, from Italy to visit the factory, the plantation. And I was there translating uh, everybody from Davidoff uh, talking to the retailers. So I remember the first day I arrived there. You know, with a blue shirt, uh, my tie, you know, trying to look uh, very professional. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was translating uh, the worldwide ambassador of Davidoff, uh, today retired. And uh, after that, uh, Enki Kellner jumped uh, into the seminar and he started talking about cigars and tobacco. And you know how he talks. It's like, this is your best friend. And uh -huh. with that voice like this. And I was like, I want to be like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I was, I, I, I don't know if I discovered the passion or Enki discovered the passion. Because after that week, I tried to get a job at Davidoff. And uh, I stayed with Davidoff for nine years. 
So I stayed uh, two and a half years in Dominican Republic, uh, working for them. Mm -hmm. Then I moved uh, uh, in Geneva back in 2003. And I worked for two and a half years at the Davidoff shop uh, uh, in Geneva, which is the first one where Zeno Davidoff, the founder right, of the brand, yeah. was working. That was an amazing experience. Think about me working uh, you know, at the factory in Dominican Republic and then moving to Geneva, one of the most expensive cities in the world, right. you know, and the make of cigars <laughs> because Zeno Davidoff worked there. So it was amazing. I mean, that was a, a very, very special, another very special moment of my career. And after two and a half years at the Davido shop, uh, I moved back to Italy, where I'm from. And I was a brand manager for the entire portfolio of uh, Davido Fotting Group for three and a half years. And uh, another amazing you know, experience, because if you want, uh, I started in the field and I finished in marketing and distribution and all that stuff. So I touched the, pretty much all the points that you can touch in a career from scratch, uh, up to executive levels. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, my passion was growing growing, uh, and more and more into production, blending, and all those things that were related more to tobacco than marketing and sales. So in 2009, I left uh, Davidoff and I moved to Miami, where I got married. And uh, I worked for almost three years as a consultant. You know, in Miami, there is a, a ceiling of brands, uh, small companies. So I, work, I was working with uh, some of the companies, you know, to reblend uh, some stuff or making new sizes or sales or marketing. And uh, one day I saw a post on LinkedIn from a company that I never heard mm -hmm. before that. It was Mombacho Cigars. And uh, Cameron Ips and Marcus uh, Ratti, the founder of Mombacho, they were looking for a brand manager for China. And I said to my wife, uh, have you been to China? She was like, uh, no, never. I'm like, okay, let me work on this. <laughs> <laughs> so I sent him my resume and uh, Marcus got back to me saying, uh, you know, Claudio, sorry, but we are looking for someone speaking Mandarin because it's a job based in China. So we are looking for someone. I don't want to say Chinese, but at least that he speaks fluently uh, Mandarin. And I said to my wife, oh, we missed the opportunity to go to China. Sorry. <laughs> right. But Michael said that, you know, your, your your resume is very interesting for our operation in Nicaragua. I was like, Nicaragua? I didn't know that you have, a, yeah, we have a small factory there, but, you know, we want to get to the next level. We want to open new markets. And uh, we started a consultancy contract for three months where I was going down to Nicaragua to reblend, uh, sourcing tobacco, and looking after the quality controls and all those things around the production that they had. And after the three months, they called me back saying, okay, contract is over. I was like, man, it's over? I really like what you're doing, guys. And they said, they jump on board as a partner now. Like, what? Yeah. So I like so much their vision that they had around Mombacho that in March 2012, I moved down to Nicaragua and lived there for uh, four and a half years. We built a new factory. We uh, reblended all our, all our cigars and made the new lines and new sizes. And then uh, now it's, what, seven years that I'm partnering in Mombacho Cigars? Yeah. So what was it, um, and there's there's a lot that I want to get into there, but what you mentioned, you know, that you like so much the, the vision of Mombacho. Talk a bit about more, uh, a bit more about what that vision was. So the most interesting part, the first uh, was like uh, two Canadians that they opened a cigar factory in Granada, not mm -hmm. even in a study. Was like, yeah. uh, what, what's wrong with you guys? And the kinds of people, two Canadians who want to partner with an Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, can you imagine that two Canadians and an Italian in Granada? Right. <laughs> and that was the first thing because I said that these guys they are risking a lot. They are not from uh, you know a tobacco background, and they open a factory. 
because the easiest thing is going down to SLE, you know, talk with some manufacturer, and you make your brand. That's it. But they said that we need to control our factory, our, our blending, uh, sourcing, and quality control to have uh, our Mombacho cigars. So I was respecting a lot uh, that risk that they took in the beginning. And then the vision uh, to have uh, a Mombacho cigar that is not only a cigar, but an experience, a memorable moment that he goes uh, like a global. So that was the thing uh, that I really saw the sparkle in their eyes saying, uh, you know what? We are not here just to have uh, another cigar in the market. We are here for a 50-year plan. Right. And speaking of it being these Canadians, and talk about what your experience was, you know, because you had spent all that time in the Dominican, but even the Dominican Republic is, is a different world from, uh, from Nicaragua. Yes. So talk about what that transition was like and, and how much experience did you have with Nicaragua uh, before you got this deep into it. <laughs> I give you, give you one of the best examples. The first week uh, I was going to Esteli and Alapa uh, to source some new tobaccos to reblend uh, the lines uh, of Mombacho. I remember, I won't name uh, the farmer. It's a big name in the industry. And it was like, uh, you know, I had my speech. I'm looking for Lijero, like this and that, the, yeah. the seed. He goes like, uh, oh, okay, 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 give me a moment. Are you uh, from where? I'm like, uh, I'm Italian. Oh, from where in, in Italy? I'm, like, I'm from Sicily, born and raised in Palermo. I was like, oh, okay, but you are the only one in Mombacho? Like, no, I have two partners. Oh, where are they from? From Canada. He goes like, okay, Canadian. We're in Italian. What, what are you looking for? Uh-huh. Like, uh, buddy, we make cigars. I was like, really? <laughs> you guys, you know how to make cigars? <laughs> and that was a kind of shock for me because, as you said, you know, Dominican Republic... Uh, I already knew the, uh, you know, the industry there, mm-hmm. so it was more open to me. Nicaragua, in the beginning, it was like, okay, another one that is trying to do something. Okay, yeah. who's next? Yeah, and the so, manufacturing in the Dominican centers around big cities. So there's more of a, it's not as weird for people there to encounter people from other parts of the world. And yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's part of that too. Yeah. But it was really like, okay, these guys, nobody know, know, know them. And he's here looking for Ligero, and everybody wants Ligero. There is not enough for everybody. Yeah. Who's this? So I got that feeling in the beginning that the doors were not closed, but kind of, okay, let me know who you are, if you guys are serious in this. And it took me almost three years to build a nice relationship with the farmers and, you know, other, my friends today in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a kind of process. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Describe a bit, you know, what, uh, for, again, for the person who, actually, you mentioned the new factory. Let's talk about, about that factory because yeah. th- there's uh, even just the location yeah, yeah, yeah. sets it apart. Uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, when the Mombacho was founded, uh, it was a small place in the Calzada, which mm-hmm. is the pedestrian street in Granada. And for the guys that they don't know Nicaragua, Granada is the first city, the first set- Spanish settlement uh, in the continent, not mm-hmm. in the Caribbean where America was discovered. Uh, but it was built in 1524. So Granada is right. the oldest town in the continent. Right. And my partner said that we have to be here where the entire history of the continent started, if you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> and then uh, uh, when we started growing uh, in the last years, uh, we needed uh, more space. And the place that we had in this pedestrian street was pretty much open. 
was looking more a lounge, if you want, than a cigar factory. Because we had in the backyard the pool where you can have a drink and, you know, swimming with a cigar just right there. But our vision was different. So at the moment that we needed more space, my partner said, okay, Claudia, what do you need? And I said, I want to have the most beautiful factory in the world. They were like, yeah, that's easy. And laughing like crazy. I was like, guys, okay, so we are in Granada. Uh, we are in the mo- one of the most colonial cities of Central America. And here the architecture uh, is so beautiful that we can get to one of those places that when you get inside, you got the feeling of the history, the colonial stuff and all those things. So we found that this building uh, built in 1925, uh, built by, by an Italian architect that was the most prominent mm. architect in the last century in Nicaragua. They built the National Palace, Presidential Palace in Managua, a couple of churches, and it was just stunning. And I said, uh, I was picturing uh, the Partagas factory in in Cuba because, you know, that's a common image of colonial columns and that stuff. This building was looking even better than that. Yeah. Now, it was closed for 11 years. It was ripped off. It was like falling apart. So we purchased the building uh, in June 2014. We spent uh, three months uh, uh, to restore the entire building because we wanted to keep everything original, like uh, the floor, uh, doors and windows. It's all imported from Italy by the architect. Wow. So the goal was keeping that. And we started production, uh, small production in October 2014, and then we went through all the quality control and processes inside that, the new place. Then we went uh, full speed in November 14. Yeah. Yeah. So and uh, sorry, oh, and, yeah. and the last thing, uh, this building is so famous uh, that it's classified a national monument. Oh wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, so when you know when someone uh, sees images of the building, it, it it doesn't even look like a factory for anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like you know uh, like somebody's beautiful home or something. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the production itself. So yeah. at, at the time that you came on board, what did production like, and what how how has it grown? Uh, and and what were um, uh, what did you bring as as a blender, uh, maybe in terms of changes or, or direction to the product that was coming out of Mombacha? So the first year we made uh, 29,000 cigars, and we are doubling the production uh, since uh, two thousand fourteen. Okay. Uh, what I brought was uh, a lot of knowledge about tobacco, and that and that for the person who's that's twenty nine thousand cigars every how often. Yeah, yeah, that that was the first production that I touched when okay. I arrived. Got it. And we had the old place. Got it. Uh, with the new place, we were doubling production every year. And uh, if you want, with the partners, we split a little bit the, the job in the uh, in the company because they related to me everything about tobacco cigars production, quality control, everything, even how we age the cigars. <clears throat> so I've been very lucky to have the freedom. Uh, to put uh, the first Mombacho made uh, in 2007 into the new area, era of, uh, of Mombacho with uh, all the lines uh, are 100% tobaccos from Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. We have uh, now three lines, uh, uh, Tierra Volcan, Liga Maestro, and Casa Favilli, that are all of them 100% tobaccos from Nicaragua. Before it was a blend with tobaccos uh, from uh, the outside of Nicaragua as well. So we, want, we, we said that if we are in the most historical place uh, uh, in Nicaragua, Made by Nicaraguans, and everything is there. Why shouldn't why shouldn't be hundred percent Nicaraguan tobaccos? Mm-hmm. And my response was like, uh, this is extremely difficult to make 
not only now, but in the future to keep the consistency we want to have uh, in the blends and the cigars. And you know what? Today we have uh, three lines uh, and another one coming uh, later this year, always 100% tobaccos from Nicaragua. I really yeah. believe uh, the best place on earth right now for tobaccos is Nicaragua. Yeah. Well, and like to your point, including Mombacho Liga Maestro. So let's, um, just because it's it was uh, on our most recent top 25, let's, let's take a minute to, to talk about this. That's what I'm smoking. So this is... All Nicaraguan tobacco, uh, we rated it, uh, ranked it rather, number 12 in the 6x46, and uh, I'm smoking the Petit Corona. For the person who's never tried Liga Maestro, how would you describe the experience of smoking that blend? Uh, that may be the most representative of the taste of Nicaragua, because it's very deep, earthy, spicy, but it got uh, the sweet uh, uh, side of the blend uh, that it makes it very comfortable to smoke because I use uh, some of the Alapa uh, tobaccos in there that it brings a lot of sweetness to contrast a little bit the spiciness and the strength. It's a medium to full. It's not a very full body, but it, it, it is a very different because I'm using only Condega and uh, Alapa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Nicaragua, we use a lot of Esteli as well that he has a lot of spiciness and roughness for me, if you don't know how to handle that. So it's a kind of 100% puro, but very different than the cigars that you have in the market right now. And that was a funny project because we started the Liga Maestro only for the Italian market in 2013. And I remember uh, in late 14, we got a bunch of retailers from the United States that visited the factory and they saw Liga Maestro in display. And they said, that, what's this? Because we have only terrible can in the United States. I said, ah, oh, this is a little project only for Italy. And then they said, they smoked them. And they said that you are crazy not to bring this to the United <laughs> States. <laughs> and I can tell you, they were right. He's very successful in the United States too. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, to your point, very successful. Top 25. And very good, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an excellent cigar. I don't know how much... Uh, my palate is being affected by these donuts you brought. Mm. <laughs> but I, one of the things that I do like about this cigar, uh, and I, I make that reference because I just had a this Nutella donut. Uh, yeah. uh, but it does have a, a very nice sort of uh, nuttiness. Yes, to the in in the profile as well, which I think sort of sets it up, sets it apart from. So so often when you smoke cigars that are like very Nicaraguan, uh, it's heavy on pepper, maybe some of that those dark chocolate notes. But this has a nice nuttiness also that I think rounds some of that out. When do you combine uh, the sweetness of Alapa mm-hmm. and some of the spiciness of Condega, not Esteli, but Condega, you get the nuttiness uh, that not a lot of cigars uh, can get uh, being a puro. Mm-hmm. Because many times uh, when you make a puro, you want to touch all the uh, regions and territories in Nicaragua. Yeah. So you blend Alapa, Condega, Esteli, and maybe Ometepe, okay? All of them are spectacular tobacco, but this Liga Maestro is this specific, uh, for me, uh, taste of uh, uh, dry fruits, mm-hmm. like nuttiness, and then a little bit of sugar cane taste, sure. which is a very, very specific. You know, when, it, when, it, when you say it's sweet, sweetness, it could be a lot of things, like right. sugar or espresso or coffee or whatever. But the sugar cane, if you ever chew on a piece of sugar cane, yeah. you got the burned sugar taste. I don't know how to describe that. Yeah, yeah. I leave this to the... Uh, it's almost like a, like a grassy, earthy sort of sugar. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And it reminds me of when I, when I was living in the Dominican Republic, I used to chew a lot of sugar cane right. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So uh, do you have, because there, there's uh, a lot of blends, and I'm actually just, I'm, I'm on the, the website now just to re- refresh my memory, uh, but you, we talked about Tierra Volcán, we talked about Liga Maestro. What are you smoking? Because you're not smoking. I'm, I'm smoking the Tierra Volcán. Okay. This is the Classico, which is the first size uh, the Mombacho made. Of course, it was reblended, uh, and now it's uh, through the entire quality controller that we have at Casa Favilli. Casa Favilli is the name of our uh, factory. And uh, the Tierra Volcana, it's a medium body cigar that it goes more uh, into more sweetness than the Liga Maestro. You know, in Liga Maestro, you have uh, some earthiness and some spices that right. you do not have in Tierra Volcana. It goes more uh, into, you know, coffee beans and those sweet tastes. Right. I say it's a very comfortable cigar to smoke. Sure. Everybody's like, what, what do you mean comfortable? Because you can finish uh, the cigar without drinking anything because it's gentle, it's full of flavor, and the flavor are very, very gentle to you. Right. So, uh, and then because we've brought up Casa Favilli uh, a number of times, there is a namesake cigar called Casa yeah, Favilli. and that's a crazy, crazy project, man, I can tell you. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I was, uh, you know, shopping tobaccos in Alapa, and one of the farmers uh, uh, that we buy tobaccos from is uh, like, uh, you should try this. I was like, uh, what's this? Uh, it's a broliff uh, from uh, my farm in Alapa. And since uh, two years, I was trying to, uh, to blend the Maduro, but I wasn't happy about uh, the Maduro wrapper. You can find uh, the classic broliff or uh, other wrappers. And I said, no matter what, I got to blend this wrapper, which is uh, a little bit darker. It's not darker like the broliff from the United States. Mm-hmm. But in Nicaragua, lost uh, a little bit uh, that deep earthiness of the broliff from Connecticut or Pennsylvania that it can be overpowering a blend. Yeah, it's sort of like a real bite. To yeah, it. yes. And getting that sweetness from Alapa. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very interesting. And it's very difficult to grow. And uh, we made a pre- pre-release at the end of the last year. And uh, we, are going, we went to full uh, production uh, this year. And we are going to release again uh, uh, around the beginning of May, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So how widely available are Mombacho cigars? If somebody's listening to this, you know, somewhere else in the country, uh, where... We are, we are pretty strong uh, in the uh, East Coast and Southeast. Okay. And then uh, now expanding uh, from Colorado to the West Coast and up to Oregon. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult to find in the center of the country. Okay. But we are working uh, to expand the distribution there too. Yeah. So are, is there a, do you have a personal favorite uh, blend in the Mombacho portfolio? Something that you go back to over and over? Uh, you know what? I, I take each of the blend uh, as an outstanding blend. blend. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than one blend I like is the sizes inside of those blends. Right. Like the Petit Corona you smoke, that's for me the perfect cigar after breakfast with a strong coffee. That's very good. It's like 30 minutes if you do not have a lot of time. Then uh, I should say I prefer the like uh, Tierra Volcan Fino, which is a six by forty-four, and I like uh, the Robusto uh, Casa Favilli, five by fifty. Yeah, I don't like uh, big ringages, mm-hmm. so that's why you won't find uh, any seven seventy eight eighty right, <laughs> in right. our portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do Do you ever? Uh, what are some of the things that? Uh, you know, a lot of people who are in these much smaller cigar companies don't have the background that you did with a company of the, the size and scope of a Davidoff. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the things that, that you brought into your role at Mombacho from from Davidoff? How, how do you think that, that informed the way you approach this very small company? Yeah. <clears throat> 
if you take out uh, the the um the experience in marketing sales and that stuff uh, we talk uh, purely about tobacco and blending mm-hmm. Enki Kellner told me always uh, you got to ask why and you got to be curious about this this is the only way you can learn tobacco mm-hmm. and that that was really what changed my life uh, in blending tobacco and you know learning about this so it's uh, really the curiosity to go around the blend that you have to make a project in your mind you got to design that and then you got to looking for what it's yeah. good for that project and for i think it. sometimes in a in a very small company that's my my perception anyway right i haven't yeah. been involved in that process is something that maybe people don't get to porque no se puede dar el lujo you, you don't you don't have yes. the opportunity because you're so worried about where the next thing is going to come from and your production is so small but when you're at a davidoff there's the you have the resources to explore those things more freely that's a good point and that's why we have uh, one good thing and one problem right the let's talk about the problem we don't buy by containers by thousands right. of base of tobacco so it's always a fight okay right <laughs> and the second thing when we can find uh, small batches of tobacco some bale here some bale there for a specific project that they don't want to even make because they know that they cannot duplicate okay for example the broliff for nicaragua it's an extremely complicated project first because it's a very difficult wrapper to grow and the first uh, uh crop was a test but we risked a lot because we believed in that taste in the personality in that flavor that it was so unique that i said you know what we gotta change this we got to make sure that we can make the broliff every year. So we're spending time with the farmer and talking and financing the farmer now. And uh, we are the only one that can get uh, that broliff now. Yeah. Now, guys, don't get mad because, you know, it's coming, the wrapper, so it will be released in small batches. Think that a big company doesn't want to do. Right. Because small batches, so you got to always follow up that. And then the big companies so that they buy thousands of bales, so sometimes they have some bale that they have to use it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so sometimes you got the one of those blends that you are like, yeah, whatever. I'm not talking bad things about that, because remember, tobacco is like a pig. Yeah. You don't throw away nothing. Right. I mean, zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you know, the the only thing we use as raw material is tobacco. So that's the soul of a company. But you know, boutique, uh, and more than that, uh, it's the touch we put uh, in production, and the kind of uh, quality control that we have. For example, each of our table, the uh, the roller, the uh, the put the wrapper, has a little piece of uh, some paper, very very thin. That when you get the cigar out of the mold, if there is a little bump before to put the wrapper, it goes there with the some paper to put down the bump without breaking uh, the uh, the binder. Right. In a factory that they are making hundred and twenty thousand cigars a day, forget that. They right. don't even think if there is a bump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's a boutique that is not about the size. Because if you think if you think about the true meaning of boutique, it's coming from the French language. Okay, boutique is a French uh, word. That he, the translation is a small place where the only thing they do is uh, uh, taking care of details. Yeah. Now, in the United States, of course, you are boutique, you are small, you are boutique. <laughs> right, right. And that's the normal equation that everybody does. But again, it is not about the size. Of course, yes, boutique are small because of the places and the stuff, but it's not only about the size. Yeah. For once, size doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For once. Uh, so 
kind of shifting gears here. You you were in Italy, and then you ended up uh, in uh, the Dominican Republic, not in the cigar industry. Not when, even that. Sorry, because right. when I left Italy in 1998, I went two years to France, okay. two years to Turkey, and after that, I landed in Dominican Republic. In the Dominican. Yeah. yeah. So when uh, I have to think that certainly you back then didn't see this trajectory for yourself that you were going to end up making cigars in Granada in Nicaragua Uh, what has been the uh, I I, I always like to get into this question with people that sort of uh, almost accidentally yeah, end up in this position. What, what's been the reaction from people back home in in Sicily? They must yeah, yeah, yeah. they must think like, what the <laughs> hell is this? What? <laughs> the funniest thing was my mom. Yeah. she was like, uh, "Where are you living? A Dominican Republic or Santo Domingo?" I'm uh-huh. like, "Mom, it's the same country. <laughs> Santo Domingo is in Dominican Republic." Right. Uh, it's uh, you know sometimes uh, you face uh, things happening in your life that you never thought about that, but they really change your life, and then it's a lot of risk, a lot of passion and a lot of dedication because it wasn't always uh, nice i can tell you when i was i landed in dominican republic and not speaking a, a, a word of spanish for me it was very easy because between uh, italian and french that i was already speaking yeah. you know spanish uh, Close gets enough. pretty yeah very very easy but my ba- background is political sciences okay and i was there translating this and i said you know what i love this i don't know why but i want to do this mm-hmm. And I risked a lot because I was by myself. Uh, I was, uh, you know, working with a local contract. And my mama was uh, still in Sicily. Something happened to me. She knew that after maybe 10 days or, you know, it was very risky. And, uh, but that was, I, look, there is another thing. I was a musician before to get into, you know, to be a teacher and that stuff. And I always be passionate about uh, virtuosos. When I was playing, I remember I started the guitar, a little kid, you know, small rock bands and stuff. At the very end, I was trying to play more serious stuff like blues, jazz and stuff. But I, w- I was always listening to the big virtuosos of guitar. And I don't know why. No, I know that I wasn't a virtuoso. So I stopped playing. But I found a kind of virtuoso soul in me with tobaccos because, you know, in the beginning, you play blending and the stuff, and then it was working like naturally. And I was more into that and more and more. Uh, to the moment, I said, you know what? I'm getting something that I wasn't getting uh, from a guitar. So that maybe was another part of my involvement, you know, to create something that I couldn't create as a musician. But man, it's like, uh, okay, Italian political sciences, you make cigar in Granada. Yeah. yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. And I have to think that for some friends and family, it, it must be a fun thing to now have access to, no? None of them want to. After wanna... 18 years of uh, my career, now they say, oh, it did good. It did, uh, you know, it made oh, the, no, the but, right decision. But, but I mean, but in, in the beginning, of, uh, yeah, yeah, that was. I like, mean, fun in the sense that, like, oh, now we know somebody yeah, with yeah. this cool job that we can go yeah, visit yeah. him in Granada and yeah, do yeah. this this whole thing, you know. Or when he shows up to the party, he always has the cigars, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 get, the, yeah, I get more visits in Miami and Nicaragua than when I was living in Geneva. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what do you see in in the immediate and maybe medium-term future for, for Mombacho? What's, what's sort of on the, on the uh, first horizon? First of all, I should say we are really working hard behind the scenes uh, on a couple of huge projects uh, that we have this year. Uh, one of those, it's a fourth line 
that is going to be released uh, hopefully in the second half of this year. And uh, I should say that uh, the blend of that. Nah, let me tease with okay. this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now you know that we love uh, tobaccos from Nicaragua. Right. So there is a uh, one kind of wrapper missing. Then I'm like the guys in the United States and around the world that they really love this kind of wrapper, which is the Connecticut. And I'm working on a Connecticut 100% Nicaragua. Okay. So I'm uh, kind of, uh, you know, finalizing the last touches on the blend. And I think uh, second half of the year, we'll be presenting a fourth line 100% tobaccos from Nicaragua with a Connecticut wrapper from, uh, it's called the San Isidro. It's not one of the most famous region. It's uh, before Estadí. And uh, one of my best friends in the industry, he grows a lot of uh, Connecticut wrappers there. And uh, we are working on a blend. And then we have uh, some major project that I cannot talk right now. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's cool. So by, by, with that project, you'll have a Nicaraguan-grown uh, broadleaf and uh, Connecticut. I mean, I guess, I don't know. If yeah, yeah, Connecticut, yeah. Connecticut. Yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's the Connecticut, the famous Connecticut shade that we Correct. know yeah. growing uh, in a study. And then we have a new releases, uh, like our now very famous uh, Cosecha project that we started uh, uh, two years ago with the uh, Cosecha 12, last year, Cosecha 13. And these are limited editions that are made uh, with tobaccos uh, only from those year crop. Yeah. So Cosecha 12 was made with tobaccos uh, only 2012, 13 are the same. And this year we're going to release uh, the Cosecha 2014. And again, uh, all those tobaccos are harvested in Nicaragua and in 2014. Very long aging uh, in our uh, humidor. And uh, we have uh, the Cosecha 15 already, and I'm working on the other Cosecha now. And uh, so if you put the Connecticut, the Cosecha, and another couple of projects, uh, we are really working hard behind the scenes uh, to have, uh, a, you know, more Mombacho moment uh, around the world. Because now we are in almost 20 countries. Yeah. No, no, that's... And, and again, for, for uh, a, a company of this size to have that presence is... Is, is impressive, you know, and, and thank you. And, and to uh, develop the reputation yeah. given the size that you guys have and all that. And that, that, that was one of the things that it was impressive to me to be global, not to go global, because you have a, a, a very thick line between someone that is doing well in cigars, and then he goes, like, Okay, why not to expand? Our original idea was like, Okay, United States is the biggest market in the world, but it's not the only market, yeah, and it's not only to have a new market. It's having uh, everybody with the opportunity to get uh, a Mombacho moment uh, wherever they are. Yeah. So uh, the uh, last, th- unless there are things that we haven't touched on that you want to get into, but one of the things that I wanted to ask about was, you know, I, I imagine that maybe in some ways being in Granada as opposed to being in Esteli complicates some of the business um, in ways that people can probably imagine. You know, that when you're closer yeah. to all of these other people yeah. and all of their tobacco, you can... You can almost just, you know, oh, I'm missing a tobacco. Let me go across the street to my buddy's, you know, to my buddy's uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, bilones and, and see what he can spare or whatever it might be. But the benefit, I imagine, one of or one of the benefits of being Granada is that there is there are people coming through Granada. Nobody just finds themselves in Esteli. Uh, what what has your been? What has your experience been and Mombacho's experience been with uh, how many cigar converts? You went over how many how many people just come across the factory and yeah. fall in love with cigars there because it's 
it's so much easier to fall. I think of places like, um, like the Fuente factory is sort of the most extreme example, but when you're in a beautiful place smoking the cigars, it has so much of a, of an impact on the way that you enjoy it. So being in Granada is a problem. It's a beautiful thing. Right. So the problem is, uh, now we are raising production. We need the more pedal rollers. And it gets a little bit difficult to have someone they already knows from Esteli to move down to Granada, even though it's like a two and a half hours drive. Right. Okay. Uh, and then the, uh, you know, sourcing tobacco boxes and all that stuff, transportation from Esteli, sometimes it gets a little bit complicated, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. And uh, now let's talk about the beautiful thing to be in Granada. Last year, we have been named the number one thing to do in Granada by TripAdvisor. Right. Uh, which is a huge website for tourism. Yeah. And uh, why? Because we had uh, uh, tour guides. You show up at the factory. You pay a small fee for a 45 minutes tour of the factory. And we drive you through the entire experience of Mombacho production, uh, sourcing, blending, uh, aging, and packaging. Yeah. So we are really doing a, a work of education because I can tell you 95% of those guys, they are not cigar smokers. They just show up because they saw the beautiful pictures mm-hmm. and the beautiful comments that we get in TripAdvisor as well, I should say. And uh, after 45 minutes, we convert them in ambassador. And the best thing that we get, it's uh, now I understand why cigars are expensive because it's extremely complicated. Yeah. And I always say to make a cigar, it's easy. It's like four leaves that are dry. You put together, you roll, and you smoke them. But to make a memorable cigar, that's a nightmare. Right. It's extremely complicated. And that educational part of Casa Favilli, our our factory, it's that. Educating people, saying, guys, look how much work we have to put in a cigar to be a premium cigar. Mm -hmm. And last year, not last year, that we had a pause (laughs) during the season, but in 2017, we got 2,027 people that toured the uh, Casa Favilli, our factory. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so kind of in the same vein, suppose that somebody is visiting Granada. They're going to visit the factory. Yeah. What else would they be doing in town? For the person who's oh, listening man. and has never even thought of it, now they might be thinking, oh, maybe I'll go there. <laughs> man, we, we need a couple of days to right. name all of them. <laughs> so first of all, you are in the most uh, historical town in Central America. So monuments uh, are... Uh, Unbelievable in Granada and very well kept, I should say. Then you have uh, uh, these letas. There is a 365 little islands in the middle of the biggest lake uh, of Central America mm-hmm. that is in, in Granada, and you can tour that. And it looks like the Amazon. I never been in the Amazon, but man, that tour it's unbelievable. Yeah. Then you can go up on the volcano Mombacho. Okay, we are named. Uh, from the volcano Mombacho, and you can tour a coffee plantation. You can have a different uh, uh, trials, like a 45 minutes trial or two hours trial. You go around the peak of the volcano. You can zip line there. There is a lagoon called the Laguna de Apoyo. It's a 360 degrees uh, uh, exo-volcano that now is, no, it's not dormant, it's dead. There's a volcano. Mm-hmm. And it's the deepest point in Central America, 245 meters. Then uh, you can go to the volcano Masaya that is still very active, and you see the lava moving. Oh, well, yeah. oh yeah, there is a lot of things. And just the vibe to be in Granada in the Calzada, which is a pedestrian street, very well kept, a bunch of restaurants and bars, so you can hang out, smoke cigars. Nobody tell you, oh, this is stinky. You should right. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. 
Very cool. Uh, so unless there's anything that you want to get into that we haven't touched on, is there? I don't know. There's okay. a lot of things. Yeah, about yeah. Man, uh, we, touched, uh, <laughs> we touched everything. I touched, uh, yeah, almost everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so thank you again for dropping by with, with cigars and donuts. What more can anybody ask for from uh, somebody visiting the office? Cigars uh, and donuts. Yeah, uh, that's all we have everything we need. And I'm looking forward to one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of which, just since we're already recommending things, you brought by donuts from the Salty Donut. Yeah. And Miami's not a place known for donuts, but if, if people listening find themselves in Miami and craving donuts, that's the place to go. Uh, yes, it is. So, they are uh, rock and rolling, these guys. Guys, uh, good for you. You're making the best donuts ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, thank you again for listening to the Cigar Snob Podcast. I'm Nicky Menes. I've been joined by Claudio Scroi, and uh, we've been talking about Mombacho. We're going to keep smoking them. Thank you, guys. All True right. pleasure to be here, and uh, we'll talk soon. Stay tuned uh, about Mombacho Cigars. You can find us at mombachocigars.com and Facebook and Instagram at Mombacho Cigars. And uh, we talk soon. Absolutely, and and for the uh, for the spelling challenge because sometimes the listeners are not. Sp- it's M O M B A C H O. Something I don't know. We, we we give people enough credit for being able to figure this stuff out, but just in case, M O M B A C H O cigars. You can find cigar snob at cigarsnobmag.com. Find episodes of the podcast at cigarsnobmag.com/slash/podcast. Uh, Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and uh, SoundCloud. Uh, Rate and review us while you're there, unless you want to leave us a bad review, in which case, shut up, go away. Um, We don't want to hear from you. But uh, but share it with your friends, subscribe to this, and uh, if you want to hear us talking a little bit more um, about the Mombacho Liga Maestro, you can go back to episode 66 of the podcast, which is, uh, and by the way, that is our toilet that you hear in the background. Uh, episode 66 of the podcast, we ran through our picks for the top 25 cigars of the year, so you'll hear us uh, chatting a little bit about Mombacho Liga Maestro, among other blends. All right, thanks again for coming. I appreciate it.